Wow. You're gonna like this. Oh, no, I'm not. Cause there is no goddamn middle. This is not unlike ancient Rome, by the way. Not so much the family circus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when, um, I did, when I did Mary Shelley, I had the same issue with necromancy. A lot of them yeah. wanted to create self-sustaining farms and got into crystals. I know! Okay. I understand that. And, but yeah, I'm reading Livy, uh, who is a shitty historian. Because eerie guy guys. Others say that because Laurentia's body was common to all the shepherds around, she was called a she-wolf, which is a Latin term for whore. You were audible last season. It just, most of it was you slamming the table. As, as <laughs> the, the Romanists at the table. Well, duh. Yeah. Obviously. Ipso facto. Right. You know, to engage in a little bit of Latin. You have a sword rat. history and remedial reading teacher here in Northern California, uh, and I am currently uh, trying to figure out how I can make distance learning uh, not only not only work, but try to make use of the medium in what I'm teaching, uh, and every idea I come up with unfortunately runs into the problem that I have no budget and no set design staff. <laughs> so... Uh, so all of my elaborate plans for, you know, man on the street interviews with, uh, you know, Roman slaves is just not getting off the ground right now because video is a thing. Killed the radio star, as it were. So how about you? I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin teacher up here in Northern California doing all the distance learning that I can, which means roughly 30% of what I would have done in person. Uh, and uh, I have come to a very interesting Zen place about it all. I have been practicing the art of letting go. Uh, a couple weeks ago, um, the the world caught on fire. So if we want to date this, yeah. Uh, yeah. you can do that. Uh, all of California was uh, ablaze. Um, the fires even got close enough to us that uh, we and some of our friends made a, a go bag. Um, and then, uh, that made it so that the kids couldn't get their textbooks because you have to go outside to get those. So that put my curriculum behind by about a week and a half. Uh, no big deal. I can handle that. Uh, that's, it's not a problem. So we got, we got the distance learning. Got it. Uh, we got the, the textbook issue. Okay. Uh, we can, we can make this work. We can make this go. Yeah. yeah uh, improvise, then, adapt, overcome. Absolutely. And then, uh, I come to find out that. Uh, some kids didn't get their textbooks, period. Like when we finally did the whole thing of letting them out, I was like, okay, well, you know, it, it, people need to be able to go home. I'm not going to tell people to stay at work when I'm not there. And and yeah. I'm a big believer yeah. that you don't do uh, wage theft, um, yeah. you know, for the sake of yeah. the kids. Uh, yeah. So, okay, you'll get your books eventually. Why do you hate the children? Well, because they're <laughs> impermanent. Um, adults are much more permanent. I figure it's a better investment. Uh, okay. All right. Because uh, in the future, when the children grow up, what are they going to be? Uh, that's a good point. Adults, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I, so you know, okay, I can I can handle that. All right, cool. Uh, then you know, I've come to find out that our school literally ran out of books for my students, which we had nine months or six months to plan this and do body counts um, and head counts 
and all kinds of other counts. Uh, okay, that's that's troublesome. Let's let me let me breathe a little, and then I, I got to realizing. Wait, wait, textbooks. You mean that account that the district perpetually puts thirty-five million into because they quote just park it there until they figure out what to do with the money? I have an idea. Maybe how about buy some fucking books? Maybe you could buy some textbooks. And uh, yeah. I was told that you know, well, we used to have more, but a lot of them have, have you know been torn, ripped, and stuff like that. And it's like, well, they are fifteen years old. Um, how about more, we? More. Yeah, yeah, and that's just the 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 Latin books, the history books. I taught world history last year out of the same textbook that I taught as a student teacher. Yeah. So it's it's all kinds of wow. Yeah. That's garbage. Um. And yeah. and then I was like, okay, I I'm I'm going to pitch a fit, but okay. Um. We can we can do this. I will take pictures and send them to the kids and whatnot. And, and then, then, uh, on, on top of all that, a, a construction crew cut through the main fiber optic cable that provides internet to my side of the river. Yeah. So I'm practicing letting go because otherwise (laughs) I'm going to strangle somebody. Uh, so there are so many, there are so many candidates. Yeah. And it, it, it's one of those, like, <laughs> could we have just compressed these, like make them all happen in the same week? Like, you know, the best, the best day of the year to clean your attic is already the hottest day of the year. Cause you're already going to be sweaty. Might as well. Why are we stacking these things so that my kids are stutter stepping through? That's not a learning mind language? blowing logical statement. <laughs> yeah. So like, wait, yeah, hold on. Yeah. All right. I feel a lot less bad about running uh, cable through my godmother's attic uh, in the middle of August several yeah. years ago now. It was already miserable. Right. Okay. There you go. It was already yeah. going to be a miserable kind yeah. of thing. So there you go. That makes sense. Um, so if it makes you feel any better, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it might, it might not, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, in the interest of, of, you know, sharing, sharing sympathies, uh, pain shared is, is lessened. Um, so in, in, uh, my district, mm-hmm. specifically in my quote unquote classroom, um, I'm, I'm teaching one of the classes I'm teaching this year is a very specific, uh, remedial reading program. Okay. And it has a, a very critical, uh, very, very high tech, very, 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 very fancy, very tailored, uh, online component. Okay. And, and, and it would have had this, whether we were in distance learning or not, this, this is a core part of how this program works, uh, because, um, uh, the kids, the kids cycle over the course of a block period, the kids cycle from, uh, whole, whole class work to small group work, to independent work on their Chromebook to independent reading. All right. Okay. And then everybody, and then and the kids in in three of those stations, they're rotating. So one group uh, for twenty minutes, one group is on their Chromebooks, one group is with me in a small group, and the third group is uh, uh, reading independently. And after twenty minutes, they they switch out. So all, right. all of them get some time with me. All of them get time working independently on the computer, and all of them get time every class period reading independently. And mm-hmm. it's it's to. Yeah exercise those neurons and build build the skills and spend mm-hmm. the time doing that. In okay. theory, it sounds great. Yes. Um, here's the thing. 
So I got trained on this the week before instruction was supposed to start. And, uh, okay, here's how we're going to modify this for distance learning. Okay, that's going to be wonky, but I can make that work. Okay. And then, um, first day of school arrives, I don't have access to the electronic part of the curriculum. None of the kids have access to the electronic part of the curriculum because it's a proprietary website run by the publisher. And every time they try to port my uh, roster into the system, it fails. And this is not just me. This is every teacher doing this program at every grade level from grade six up through high school in our district. And it took them three weeks to figure out how to fix it. And see, that's what what people outside of education don't understand is that that 100% chips away at the credibility of this program. And you've already got kids who are not necessarily invested. And so then you, you make goddamn certain that every step along the way is a perfectly stable step. And to not do that, you kind of might as well just throw out the year and start over next year. Yeah. For all the well, good it's going to do. Yeah. And then in the first full week of instruction that we had, um, or no, the second full week of instruction we had, uh, we had to do map testing, which for those of you not in our immediate local listener area, um, well, actually, this is shit I, I, for you too, because this is a district thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our map testing, our dis- on top of state testing, our district gives the kids uh, a, a standardized test, electronic computer-based test, in uh, English, you know, English language arts, reading comprehension, and math mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and the end of the year to judge, you know, growth and sure. to see, you know, how much have they lost since last year at the beginning of the year and, you know, how much progress are they making in January. <sighs> so... On top of not having the electronic curriculum, then I've th- then every teacher in my district had to figure out how to do a standardized test at a distance over 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 distance learning. When when the state government has said we're not requiring you to do the standardized testing this year, <laughs> we're not we're not we're not having to do any of the CASP testing. We're not having to do any any of that other stuff. But the district said, no, 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 we're testing them. Never mind the fact that there was a significant cohort of parents who were like, uh, fuck what? Yeah. Sorry? Yeah. Uh, never, never mind the fact that they got told by, like, literally every teacher in the district, you understand our scores are going to be shit, right? Right. So guess what? So you're mad Our testing. scores are shit. Yeah, yeah, as it turns out. Yeah. Yeah, our, our scores are shit, and now my principal uh, is all over us. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, no, this this could turn into a, a two-hour bitch session just about everything we're we're having to deal with with work. But yeah, yeah, it's it's this is a, this is a difficult situation for everybody, and I have I have a lot of empathy, and I have a lot of um, I I feel very very much for all of the parents. Who, who are on the other end of this equation and my heart breaks for the kids, you know, 
Um, I have not yeah, talked it's to a shitty a, situation. I have not talked to a single parent who is not the type to kick kids out of a park for playing soccer during her kid's birthday party. Um, I have not talked to a single parent that's that not that type um, who has said, yes, I want my child to have robust distance learning this year. Every single parent I've talked to has been, uh, something's got to give because my kids shouldn't be sobbing at noon. Yeah, no shit. Like, and, yeah. and every yeah. parent is saying, this is too goddamn much. This is ridiculous. And it's... Well, your your district, yeah. the, the the amount of hours your district demanded was just like stupid. Like I'm I'm yeah. I'm teaching on on a daily basis for distance learning. I'm teaching from nine a.m. to one. That's too Four. much. I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah. Um. You know. I mean, we've got there's there's you know breaks in the middle of that, but. Yeah. Still too much. Uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with you. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't think you're wrong. Especially at all. when you get to diminishing returns. Like just that you, you can do here's a thing. Um and for everyone else, just fast forward to twenty minutes. I swear we're gonna start talking about Batman then. At some um, point. Yeah. Uh but uh here's here's the thing that I realized. <laughs> I am not working after three twenty any single day. Um, now some of it is because I did so much work over the summer recording content, uh, and I, I added it up. I did about a hundred hours of free work. Um, and if you stretch a hundred hours of free work over 183 days, that's roughly 45 minutes after school every day. You know what? I'm okay working for free for 45 minutes after school every day. That's kind of a teacher's thing, but no more than that. And I ain't taking work home anymore. Uh, that's when we get back to brick and mortar. So as it stands right now, I am only working when I'm getting paid because I don't have a home to go home to from work. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm very much doing that. And what I realized was that our district, and I think this is true of every district, um, is built on the back of stolen wages, of stolen oh, they labor. Are. Like oh, how, many hours, yeah. how many hours did I give them per week that weren't theirs? where I subsidize them with my time and my health. And uh, that's the one, you know, one of the few silver linings to this, uh, this, uh, the COVID is that I've realized, oh, nobody's stealing my time anymore. And I'm encouraging oh, no. other teachers to, uh, to, to do the same. Um, and, and here's why. Um, they're not going to pay extra life insurance to my kids if I stroke out early. Um, no, they're not. They're going to pocket that money. So I need yeah. to start taking my time back, which means I need to actually reconfigure how I teach my classes, because if I'm not going to grade that work, I damn sure have no business assigning that work. So now I'm having to kind of really recalibrate, like, what is the core of what I'm trying to do here and how can I get it in the time that I've got? Um, so it's, sense. it's been really it's been really eye opening and really nice, actually. Yeah, um, to no, think I can believe that in those lines, but ultimately it's wage theft, <laughs> like straight up. Well, wage you know, theft. okay. So what's what's anytime we have a disagreement with with management? What's one of the first things we wind up doing? We say, all right, everybody, work to rule. Mm -hmm. Leave campus, like seriously, leave campus three forty five mm -hmm. for my district anyway, my site. Mm -hmm. Leave campus three forty five. Don't show up on campus before eight thirty. Right. You know, and, which, and which that's is it. normal for every other profession. Like when my yeah. ex-wife would call me and say, hey, I'm charting. 
um, she was getting paid for that time. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. with me, it's, it's like, we, we don't get overtime. No, we never get overtime. And on top of that, mm-hmm. my contract, and I'm pretty sure yours too, mm-hmm. has this built in expectation of, um, and now the, the term has, has slipped my mind. Um, but there's a certain number of hours per year that, that I'm expected. And it's not like a hard and fast requirement, but it's mm-hmm. like, you should put in 14 hours of, of time, right. uh, you know, helping out with, you know, monitoring dances or, you know, helping out with, with, you know, being, being present as a chaperone for these yep. events or doing this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, you know, like when a staff meeting runs long, uh, well, you know, uh, if, if it goes over more than 15 minutes, you get, you know, an additional half hour of, of this time, you know, counted for that. Um. So you've, you've done that time. And so our staff meeting ran long mm-hmm. this month, beginning of this month. And my principal said, yeah, it's all right. I'll, I'll give all you guys whatever time. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I wanted, I wanted to reach through the monitor. I literally, like, I was so glad my mic and my camera were both off <laughs> because, because, um, I, I wanted, I wanted to, it, it gave me the opportunity to gra- to literally growl because I wanted to reach through that. I wanted to reach through my, my phone and, and strangle him. Like, what good is that going to do me right now? Mm-hmm. Like you, you are literally stealing time from my wife and my son who just got home. Yep. And instead of me being able to now turn around and have my time with them in my home. Right. I have to, I, you, you are literally holding me hostage. And them. Because now and, I and, have to and, modify and, their behavior yeah. to deal with the fact yeah. that uh, yeah. you are and, not letting me go. Um, I did get a little bit of kind of petty revenge uh, because at one point as a union rep, he called on me to say something. And when I did, <laughs> my son came toddling into the kitchen to, to, you know, ask me for something. And I said to him, no, no, not right now. Not right now, baby. No, I'm sorry. Daddy's, daddy's, daddy's in a meeting right now. Daddy, daddy can't talk to you right now. Uh, what I wanted to say was, and daddy's being held against his will in a meeting that ran long. Uh, <laughs> so, but I didn't. Next time I will. Yeah. I've also determined that the next time I'm in a staff meeting that he allows to run long, um, I'm going to turn my camera on and I'm going to go to my liquor cabinet and I'm going to pour myself a drink. Good. On camera. Good. And if he says anything, I'm going to go, oh, oh, I'm sorry. We're after contract time. Yeah. I didn't realize that my camera was on. Bye-bye. Yep. And then I'm going to leave. Good. Fuck that. I'm done. You know what? Cheers before you do. Slodja. Yes. Slodja. All right. Yeah. So, so we're getting close to the 20-minute mark. I want to get on to so we did, Batman. Yeah. We, gotta, yeah. we, we decided right. we were going to tackle Batman because we're both such DC heads. Wait. No. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, but Batman is significant. He is a, a centerpiece to our culture in so many ways. Um, and it stretches back. Um, Batman is only 50 years older than the Eiffel Tower. Wait, older than the Eiffel Tower? No. Younger, <laughs> sorry. Younger. 1930, yeah. Yeah, no. whatever. Is, is, yeah, it's a bigger number than the uh, 1889. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's <laughs> 50 years younger than the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the distance from the beginning of Batman to the Eiffel Tower 
is greater than the distance of the beginning of Batman to now. Or is okay. lesser than. Is less than. Yeah, I'm really yeah. blowing it with the numbers sure. tonight. Holy, m- well, you know, neither one of us is a math teacher. Let's, for, let's, for good reason. You know, I think give, we're proving give, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of us anyway isn't, isn't particularly qualified. <laughs> no, okay, who am I kidding? I'm totally not qualified either. Yeah. But, um, so yes, Batman you know, is 50 years younger than the Eiffel Tower. That's there a fact. There you go. Yeah. There, yes, that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's a he's a centerpiece of our as you say, he's, he's a central figure in our culture. Mm-hmm. He's become he truly has become a, a modern myth. And, you know, we we fiddled around with that in, in the episode we did talking about, you know, DC, DC uh, heroes as mythic characters versus Marvel characters. Yes as mythic characters and you know my thesis actually came came about thinking about batman and superman as a as a diptych as a as a pair mm-hmm. you know with with uh you know soups being so clearly apollo and batman so very clearly being hades right um and and that you know light and dark uh you know uh, uh du- duology and and he he really has become both of them, but but right now we're talking about Batman. You know, really has become our modern version of that because you know when you think about it, there are multiple different versions of his backstory. Um, the first several years of his of his uh, career as a crime fighter has been revisited multiple times. With really meaningful differences sure. uh, in in the way it's been portrayed, in the events, like the the, the very details uh, of of you know how how it was that his parents died, um, you know originally in um, let's see here the the original uh, I've got it here in my notes uh, the his his original backstory got revealed in Detective Comics number thirty three. In November of '39, okay, and that's the first time that we learned that his parents were shot in Crime Alley by a mugger, and we don't get the mugger's name right uh, for several years uh, until '48. As a matter of fact, it's not it's not for almost a decade wow. uh, that we actually find out who that mugger was. The original story is just you know he's this he's this random you know street thief. Uh, but in the original version of the story, mm-hmm. uh, young Bruce Wayne has the killer's face etched in his memory. Oh, okay. And then in 1948, he finds he he runs into the killer, and I'm going to get into some of the important details about that. But that's that's the first time we learn the name Joe Chill. And so that's that's 48. Well, now since then. Joe Chill has stuck around as a character, but uh, there have been versions of the story, right? Which he he didn't see Joe Chill's face, and we don't know who Joe Chill turned out to be or anything like right. that. At there have been point, stories. At one point, he's hiding in a kid's house, pretending to be his beagle, sleeping on top of uh, the uh, the the dog house, befriending a bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Snoopy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Batman right. had the yeah. rogues gallery. Joe Chill had uh, uh, an alias, Joe Cool, um, and, uh, and the peanut gallery. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. All right. Um, you, you really, you're kind of off your game a little <laughs> bit, I think, tonight. How so? Um, I don't know. That's that that one uh, that that didn't have your usual like. No. Okay. I, All right. I, I feel I feel like you're having to you're having to work a little harder. Okay. Uh, tonight, but we'll see. I'm sure you'll get into your groove. Yeah, we'll see. Damn it. Um. <laughs> so. So yeah, no, he he is he is this 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 mythic figure. We don't have the same kind of folklore in the modern world for a variety. I mean, we could get all pointy headed about why not uh, that that you know people did you know back in the pre-industrial era. Uh, and so what we do have are comic book heroes, and Batman is one of the classic archetypes. Yes. You know, I mean, you can look across uh, a series, you can look across publishers, and you can find that everybody has done a Batman. You know, um, like even <clears throat> even within uh, DC, there mm-hmm. are people who argue that Green Arrow is, you know, kind of a poor man's Batman XP. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. And then, you know, the, the immediate other other example that comes to mind is the Midnighter, um, who it's it's there's and I'm trying to remember the, the name of the series the Midnighter comes from. I'm going to have to look it up. But um, I want to say it's Image Comics um, okay. has, is has he a the series. One, in, he's the one that has like the really long soliloquies um, and he basically he like kind of Columbo's people into submission um, by rambling. He's the Midnighter Rambler. Okay. All right. You're getting there. Yeah. You're getting there. Don't call me Stella yet. I haven't got my groove back <laughs> yet. But. Okay. Um, okay. Wildstorm Comics okay. has Midnighter. Uh, later <laughs> became a DC character after DC absorbed uh, uh, Wildstorm mm-hmm. uh, and uh, created by Warren Ellis. And uh, so Midnighter is kind of what you get if Batman is a little bit less wealthy and a lot grimmer in the comics. Um, and written by Warren Ellis. I, I think it's important to note, written by Warren Ellis, the guy who gave us the boys is... Oh, okay. So there's there's a certain level of deconstruction involved in the Midnighter's character. But, but the idea of the... Um, you know the, the the millionaire tech gadget hero. Um, you know it, it could be argued that um, uh, um, Black Panther mm-hmm. is in some ways kind of in that in a similar archetype, though with okay. different tropes attached. Sure, Iron Man. Iron Man. Oh, he's alcoholic is, Batman. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. If if Bruce Wayne <laughs> actually developed a drinking problem and a like, smile, there you go. Like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If, if 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 Batman learned how to have any goddamn fun, he'd be you know, okay. Tony so Stark. Batman is Batman, and and Bruce Wayne is kind of his alter ego, uh, and so he plays being a playboy. Tony Stark yeah. is a playboy who plays being a hero. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, they're they're an inversion of one another. Yeah. You know, and um, so. You know, the thing is, um, Batman is the one that all of those characters are in some way bouncing off of or building off of. Yes. And and so, you know, Batman truly is the archetype, uh, just like Superman really is the archetype, you know, um, 
think of think of all the characters who are kind of Superman XBs. You know, Siegel and Schuster were the first ones to 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 put that idea out there. You know, the 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 bulletproof man who can you know run faster than a speeding bullet. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Supes is is the first. And if you're talking about super normal superheroes, Batman is the first. Well, except he's not. And and part of the genesis of Batman, uh, you have to you have to think a little bit about the pulp novels that came before comic books. Okay. Batman is the bigger is the archetype that we recognize, but it's important to know that um, his his many of his traits uh, also are predated by Doc Savage, the Man of Bronze. Now that is a name I've heard. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so Doc Savage is kind of in some ways the Ur superhero. Um, and he he is the ultimate competent man archetype. Okay. Okay. Uh, by which I mean he knows a lot about everything and is good at everything. And in the case of Doc Savage, he is superlatively good at everything. He's a genius. He's, you know, an Olympic level athlete. He's a martial artist. He's a world explorer. He's all these things. And he also, when the occasion arises, he's also a, a deducer, mm-hmm. um, on par with Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Um, and so, uh, to, to take from the Wikipedia article on Doc Savage, um, the, his real name, Clark Savage Jr., He's a doctor, scientist, adventurer, detective, and polymath who rights wrongs and punishes evildoers. Um, and uh, so there, he, he, you know, appeared originally in 1933. Okay. Uh, um, and so, yeah, he, he is, he's kind of Batman before Batman. Do me a favor. Uh, Contextualize yeah. this with Conan. When was... Okay. Conan's writer doing his thing, or uh, when did he stop? Rather, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Robert, I gotta remember because I don't have the notes in front of me anymore. Um, Howard died. He, Howard. Um, Howard died in thirty-six. So in thirty-three, Howard was um still still publishing. Uh, still, he was still printing Conan and all that stuff at that time. So, as well Doc, as like as Solomon well as Kane and that Solomon one guy Kane, who's Cole, a sailor. Cole, Cole, yeah, uh, Sailor Doc Costigan. Costigan, yeah. Um, it just and, feels yeah. like those inhabit a similar place in people's minds. They very much do. Okay, they very much do. Um, but the the important thing about Doc Savage as a character in the zitgeist is that conan and all of all of howard's pulp figures were good at a couple of things whereas doc savage is good at all the things doc Doc savage is good at everything he's a genius little scientist and you know uh you know master violinist like whatever whatever skill he needed to have uh you know reading it as a modern reader reading it now it, it feels campy, even though it wasn't intended to be when it was written. Mm-hmm. 
because whatever skill he needs to have, well, you know, it just happens he, he knows how to do that. Um, and and the language in the stories is is this this wonderfully superlative kind of stuff. At one point, uh, the author refers to Doc's hand floating with lightning speed. Okay. Like, okay. Floating is not something I normally associate with, with lightning speed, but when you say floating with lightning speed, there is a very clear understanding of, of what exactly it is you're getting there. There is this incredible speed, but also this fluidity and, and, you know, and, and so that's, that's kind of the way I encapsulate my description of, of Doc Savage as a character. Sure. And so Doc Savage was an influence. Those stories were clearly an influence on Bob Kane. Um, and Bill Finger, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, those stories were an influence, and the design of the character very clearly influenced by Zorro, um, the Count of Monte Cristo, the idea of a secret identity, or the Scarlet Pimpernel, mm-hmm. idea of a secret identity, dual identity kind of thing. Well, and um, early on in the uh, mythos of Batman, that was Zorro was the movie that he insisted on his parents going to, right? Yes, yeah. correct. So. Which, which for the authors was not an in joke. It was kind of a meta statement by the authors mm-hmm. um, that you know, hey, hey, here we are mentioning one of our references, kind of thing. Right. Um. And so yeah, so um, so Siegel and Schuster came up with with Superman in thirty eight, mm-hmm. and Superman gave um, DC Comics, who. Somewhere I have the name of the company before it was DC Comics uh, written down, but they became DC. Um, ma- made them a ton of money. Right. Like, like just Superman took off. And, and the heads of the company went to all their editors and all their writers and all their artists and went, give us more of this. Right. We need, like, like clearly there is some kind of hunger out there in the public. Give us this. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so, so uh, Batman shows up in the pages of Detective Comics in issue 27, uh, May 1939. Now, because this is the podcast that it is, let me tell you a little bit about what was going on in New York that year. Um, LaGuardia Airport started operations. Oh. The World's Fair opened in April. Uh, World's Fair New York, where? New York World's Fair. New York World's Fair, okay. New York World's Fair, 1939. Opened in April. I'm going to come back to this in a minute. Okay. By the way, the uh-huh. comic book company, it was National Allied Publications. Thank you very much. Sure. I knew it was National something, but yeah. I couldn't remember how the rest of it went. Lou Gehrig retired from professional baseball in June. Yep. Due to ALS. Uh, television broadcasts began in the United States for the first time, 39. Mm. And, and this is important too, for the same reason as the World's Fair, mm-hmm. the wor- the first World Science Fiction Convention was held that Ooh. year in New York. Nice. This is WorldCon. Now I don't know, you're not you're not a literary sci-fi nerd the no. way I am, but have you heard of the Hugo Award? Yes. Okay. There's been, of course, a lot of controversy attached to the Hugo Award in the last few years because of right-wing versus left-wing politics and right-wingers thinking they're victimized and 
all <laughs> kinds of bullshit associated with that. But but the Hugo Awards are one of the most prestigious, if not the most prestigious, literary science fiction award mm-hmm. in the genre. Okay, they're 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 one of one of the most prestigious awards. And they are they are given out every year at Worldcon. And so nineteen thirty nine is the first meeting of this convention. Oh wow. Okay. Now on a national context, in nineteen thirty nine the US was climbing its way out of the Great Depression. Yep. Um, there was movement going on with the Neutrality Act um, because of stuff that was going on in the rest of the world in Europe. Mm-hmm. Prohibition had ended only six years before. Mm-hmm. Now, New York, where all all of these comics are being published at this point, um, was the epicenter of the Depression. In, uh, in wait, the wait. sense, okay. I'm sorry. Let me back it up. You said LaGuardia yeah, yeah. Airport started up. Was it called yeah. LaGuardia at the time? Because I'm pretty sure he was the mayor, right around that time. Give me a second. Okay. Let me check. Oh, anyway, go go to your thing. Uh, I can okay. I can look All up right. whether yeah, or not LaGuardia was. Look it up. Yeah. Um, I'd love it if they did name it after him. I'd love it if they named it after him, and they're like, "Hey, we named an airport after you." He's like, oh, really? Which one? LaGuardia. LaGuardia. Yeah, um, yeah. I, Idlewild, of course. Then later, years later, uh, got renamed as JFK International. Oh. Um. So anyway, um, let's see. Where was I? So uh, Prohibition had just ended six years before. New York was where the stock market crash actually happened. So you know, in a big way, it was kind of the epicenter of the depression because of that, and because it was the largest city in the United States at the time. Mm-hmm. Um. And prohibition had led to the very rapid and very violent growth of organized crime, especially the mafia mm-hmm. in, in New York and Chicago. Um, bootlegging and the operation and protection of speakeasies made fortunes for organized crime syndicates. Um, and the Italian mafia fought uh, against Irish and Jewish gangs yeah. in parallel wars you know, it was different, different mafia families, but in New York, in Chicago and in, you know, other major cities all over the country, but New York and Chicago are the the most well-known ones. Right. Um, and in New York specifically, this wound up leading to the foundation of the five families, uh, and eventually to lucky Luciano establishing the commission in 1931 to solve disputes between families. Mm -hmm. Um, and essentially this set up each family, uh, in a given city as basically independent, although New York was shared territory of the five families. Mm-hmm. Another reason I bring all this up is because there is this confluence of World's Fair mm-hmm. and television broadcasts and Worldcon. Science fiction is beginning to, I can't say become mainstream, but it's but it's becoming a bigger part of the media landscape mm-hmm. on the radio. You have Buck Rogers, uh, and flash Gordon, too, right? the shadow. Yeah. The shadow. Um, and, and so the world's fair is, you know, as always, you know, every world's fair is this, you know, uh, very optimistic, very upbeat. Hey, look what, look what's coming in the future. Look, look at how, wonderful the future is going to be high tech whiz bang 
you know, advancements. And so that's, that's going on at the same time as New Yorkers are watching as they see their police department, their city government, their state government being suborned and, and corrupted by these criminal enterprises. Well, I'm going to push back a little bit there. Okay. The police department of New York was historically corrupt. This was okay. just the newer boss. Like, I mean, yeah. if right. it hadn't been historically corrupt, then Teddy Roosevelt wouldn't have made his bones decorruptifying it as much as he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and 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 prior to him, Chester Arthur. Like, yeah. you know, that that was no, a yeah. thing. So, you know, and and police departments all over had historically been really goddamn corrupt. Um yeah. I can think of Boston especially, but Chicago, New York, pretty much yeah. every major fucking San Francisco, LA, oh my lord. Um yeah. like they 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 were historically corrupt. So it's the, the the gangsters doing gangster shit. Um it it changed the scale of money involved and maybe okay. the scale of brutality on some levels, but for the most part they were always that way. So, all right. Well, yeah. the the point. Okay, I I, I see I see your argument. Mm-hmm. The 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 point I'm trying to make is that it's not in this case. It's not just the poli- at this point. It's not just the police department. Okay. And at this point, it's not just you know politicians and business interests. It is politicians and criminals. Mm-hmm. And it is criminal committing murders in the street mm-hmm. in broad daylight and getting away with it because they have the money to bribe people and anybody they can't bribe they can intimidate or get away with killing. Do you think that some of this is also that it's spilling over into white neighborhoods now? Like previously it had been kept um, the brutality, the the killing people um, without any recrimination whatsoever. I think, I think, I think during, during prohibition, during the actual gang wars, mm-hmm. I think so. By the, by the time I'm talking about this, the worst of that violence has been curbed by 39. The worst of that, of that okay. overt violence has been curbed, but it's still in the popular imagination. Okay. And there is still this feeling like, uh, there, there is this class of people mm-hmm. who are above the law, either because they have all the money, or because they have all have lots of money and they are violent and willing to push other people around. You know, one way or another. You know, and they're not there's, wasps. There's this... I think that matters. I think the fact that they're not wasps absolutely matters at that point too. Identifying them because they are considered the, uh, fuck the criminal uh, classes. Like there, there was an effort in New York specifically to call out a. Uh, I forget the words that they used, but it was it was something along the lines of like the criminal races, and it was essentially Irish, Italian, mm-hmm. Jewish. All three of whom you just mentioned uh, were, yeah. you know, they were kind of marginalized, and therefore this is how the entrepreneurial yeah. spirit uh, asserts itself. <laughs> yeah, um, it just when it's, you know when it's stymied in every legitimate business interest, right. you know, uh, but it's where you go, or you become a cop. Y- yes, actually, <laughs> you know, uh, you can't do Irish anything else. Failed. Exactly, so, you know, 
why is it called a paddy wagon? Is it because of the people in it or the people driving it? <laughs> why not both? Um, but <laughs> poor K no less does. <laughs> but uh, I but I I would say that uh, this group of people is easily identified because they are other than wasp. I think that okay. matters. That that identity um, matters. Uh, yeah, to an extent, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think so. Um, for for the purposes of Batman's birth, sure. I think that's that's kind of background noise. Okay. More. Well, I mean, all of this is background noise, but that's that's mm-hmm. that is that is uh, covert rather than overt. Okay. Um, I think it's coding. I, I would agree with yeah. you that it's coding okay. because right. I'm, yeah. I'm just right. I'm looking at like Batman's yeah. origin, old money. Yeah. So oh, yeah. wasps yeah. being wasps. Yeah. First name, first name, first name being Bruce, which uh, yeah. Bill Finger, Bill Finger uh, specifically states that he got Bruce from Robert the Bruce. Oh no shit. Oh yeah, I, wow. I lad, I <laughs> lad, he got it from Robert. Yes, I. It's a good Scottish name, which is actually really funny if you know anything about you know who the criminal classes were in Revolutionary <laughs> America. Yeah. <laughs> Robert's Rangers. <laughs> he has there's there there was there was actually a clause removed from the Declaration of Independence uh in which in which it was a complaint about he has sent amongst us a great number of Scots. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I because, love it. because they were because they they were they they were the Irish of their time. They <laughs> were they were Redneck. I mean, because they were yeah. Highlanders. We're, right, not, right. we're not talking about. We're not talking about, we're not talking about tame Lowland Scots like right. my people. No, no, we're talking about Highlanders who who had lost at Culloden, who were all being you know either executed or shipped out to the colonies. Right, indentured and, servants and, to start. Yeah, 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 and yeah. Many, many of them. Um, and, and, you know, the very first thing most of them did was you know take the broadsword that they'd used at Culloden and head out to the frontier. Mm-hmm. Uh, where a great many of them, instead of where a great many of them fought the Native Americans, and a great many of them, kind of simultaneously, you know, like went native in some ways. Yeah. And and so they they were they were to to the, uh, you know, English and Welsh uh, and Dutch who were you know nice prosperous city dwellers in in the Northeast. These guys were literally howling barbarians. Sure. So anyway, Bruce Wayne. So, so got his, got his name from, uh, Br- Robert the Bruce and, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy, but, a, but a revolutionary war general mm-hmm. mad somebody Wayne. Oh, wow. And so that's so very, very wasp, very, very uh, D-A-R. Wasp, yeah. Very D-A-R. Oh yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I hadn't, hadn't, I hadn't made that connection, but you're right. So, um, yeah, so so they 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 needed to create the, the, the you know D, DC National whoever it was publications uh, said give us more superheroes mm-hmm. and in this environment uh, Bob Kane came up with an idea. Okay. Um, and actually, let me let me talk a little bit more about about the background first. I'm getting ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, remember that uh, Capone didn't go away for multiple murder. No, Capone he, didn't yeah. go away. Capone didn't go away for bootlegging. Capone didn't actually go away for any of the like 
horrible you know, shit that he did. Luke, Luke, all horrible shit that he did. What he got convicted on was tax fraud. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, he he was emblematic of this 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 element of society mm-hmm. that was getting away with this stuff and were and were above the law. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so he, that's floating around in the popular admi- imagination as Cain sat down. I'm sorry. And, I, I mean, if, if you're going to like okay. this story. When I okay. was first working as a teacher, I worked uh, for a charter school, which means they are not beholden to unions or um, most decency. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I worked for them under Kevin Johnson, uh, yes. a basketball player who became, uh, who made himself the head of essentially a high school district um, yeah. where he had access to. Um, barely Teenage of age girls. or not quite of age girls um, and there's that that happened uh, but also um, he then became mayor of Sacramento because yeah. the, the public because is an ass stuff. yeah so pretty much uh, one of my bosses uh, who is now a superintendent in a different district um, he, he said one day because I said well wait a minute like this doesn't make sense why are we spending all our time on data and he said well damien you're a history you're a history teacher what did they lock up al capone for and i said well tax evasion he said right i said so your business model here is that we have to make sure i think you're taking the wrong lessons here um but it was like it was a legitimate argument i'm like you realize what side of things you're on right Right, and uh, he never really responded to that, and clearly he did yeah, know what side he same, was on. Is, it, is, is this the same one who who was really adamant about department meetings starting on time? No, no, this is the one oh, who because okay. who... you, you you mentioned you mentioned that you you worked for one one time uh-huh. who, as a social studies teacher, you were like, you know, you're making a really big deal about things running on time. Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was somebody while I was uh, union protected. Um, no, this, oh, okay. this is the guy who who did uh, threaten to fire somebody who had the flu because he was out for too many days. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that yeah. guy's running a district now. Yes. Fuck me. Oh, he used to like disenroll kids right before testing and then re-enroll them after. Well, because, you know, the charter, you couldn't get away with that shit. Yep. Wow. So yeah, so when he brought up like, "Hey, they caught Al Capone because of tax evasion," I'm like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, you're showing your ass." Like that's an odd analogy to uh choose right here. Yeah, I'm, and it's scarily on brand. I'm a little concerned. (laughs) Not gonna lie, that bothers me on a on a very deep moral level. Yeah. Yeah. So. So there you go. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So, so now we 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 got to talk about actual Batman. So uh-huh. so we have we have this we have this world mm-hmm. where in the popular imagination we are we are in in a world that the both the futurists and the Futurians are exalting, you know, forward progress and mm-hmm. you know what we're, what we're going to do with scientific technology and what we're going to do with the future and all this all this wonderful stuff that's going to happen. Sure. Uh, we're we're on the on the cusp of this this technological leap out of 
kind of the early industrial age into the very, very beginnings of the jet age and the atomic age, right? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, in any urban area in the United States, we have this situation where the authorities are corrupt, the criminals who, who in the popular imagination are at the center of that corruption are largely untouchable or unreachable. And, and in that, in that kind of, kind of mixture of ideas, Bob Kane sits down to his drawing desk mm -hmm. in 1939 because his bosses at national comics publications said, we, we want more stuff like the Superman guy. And uh, Bob Kane came up with an idea. He called Batman, who was a rope-swinging crime fighter in a red and black outfit with a set of stiff Leonardo da Vinci-inspired wings on his back and a domino mask oh, yeah. on his face. Also, uh, in the earliest color tests, he was a blonde. But anyway, a uh, domino mask on his face. And he looked at this and said, okay, so I got this character design, but I don't have... A much of anything else because I'm an artist, not a writer. Right. And he asked Bill Finger to come by, take a look at the idea and help him flesh it out. Finger listened to the pitch and made a series of suggestions. All right. So red is too bright. Switch it to gray to make it more menacing. Uh, yeah. make, it, make it a cowl, not uh -huh. a domino. Uh -huh. Leave his eyes as slits ah. to, to make, to increase the mystery level and those wings, I, I get what you're trying to do with those wings, but those are going to get in the way. They're going to really get in the way in a fist fight, and they're going to be really awkward. So tell you what, uh, you know, Superman is what our, our bosses want. So let's just go with a cape and maybe scallop the edge so that when he's leaping, it looks like bat wings. Okay. So they then turned around, pitched that idea to the editors, and in Detective Comics number 27 in May of 1939, the case of the chemical syndicate got published the very first batman story okay it's it's not much of a story <laughs> it's it's very simple cuz of course detective comics like most comics at the time were anthologies mm -hmm. with you know multiple stories in them yeah you get 12 pages or so yep. i mean that was the first superman too it was like 13 yeah, pages yes, yes. in an anthology yeah. yeah uh action comics in that case so yeah. um so True to its publication title, the Batman is more sleuth than than fist fighter. I mean, he he does he, he does wind up fighting a bunch of guys, but but what what gets played up more is his his deductive ability. He is the world's greatest detective. Sure. And uh, it also establishes the idea of Bruce Wayne and Batman, the the whole alter ego thing, as a twist at the end of the story. Mm. Um. You know, the, the Commissioner Gordon's feckless socialite friend was the Batman all along, you know. Sure. Because um, at the beginning of the story, Commissioner Gordon shows up to the scene of a murder. Industrialist has been stabbed. And he's, for some reason, for whatever reason, he, he was, you know, going to lunch with, you know, socialite Bruce Wayne, who's, you <laughs> know, his buddy. And, you know, Bruce Wayne is there at the scene of the crime kind of standing in the background and, you know, making a big deal out of, you know, uh, we're going to we're going to miss our uh, we're going to miss our tea time, you know, or mm -hmm. whatever our reservation. And then, you know, they head out. And then the next thing we see is, you know, this cowled figure, the Batman showing up and, you know, going over the scene later. And so at the very end of the story, um, we see that 
Bruce Wayne has been the Batman. And so that's that's There's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the other thing I want to point out about the story is this this again, this is the the origin of the character, the very first story that he's in mm-hmm. it, origin in a folklore sense, not not, you know, canon sense. Right, right. Uh, but the bad guys in this story are a corrupt businessman and a group of hitmen. Okay. Well, I I would again, interestingly, um, Bruce Wayne is a you know known rich guy, and he's hanging out with a police commissioner. Known rich guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's hanging out with the police commissioner. So you have uh, the police that you know have the. The backing of the state, but everybody also knows that they're kind of corrupt, uh, hanging out with known rich people, but it's yeah. the right kind of rich people. Okay. So, uh, you know, uh, okay. but, but yes, yeah, so the first bad guy he runs into is, as yeah. you said. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. not a clown, not mm-hmm. a street mugger, right. not a compulsive riddle teller, <laughs> not an eco-terrorist. Not, not a clown. Not a clown. <laughs> Not a clown. Just, uh, not n- nobody. Nobody with some mental compulsion. Not an eco terrorist, but 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 a run of the mill sociopathic corporate executive mm-hmm. with access to professional killers. Right. Like you know. Um, Max and Shrek. So a, yeah, a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, a mastermind whose sole extraordinary ability is wealth enough to hire professional killers to get away with murder. Being brought to justice by a dogged, terrifying adventure because the police couldn't catch him. So you have a, a, a through line of police incompetence here, which yes. I, and, and it's not necessarily even overt, but I am going to be very interested what happens after the CCA uh, comes in. <laughs> yeah, that's so, a good point. Yeah. So, so, um, in, in the, in the statement, and I want to pause right there and essentially state my thesis here. All right, go for it. The the origin of the character, because I know, I know, uh, partly because I'm the token moderate of the two of us, um, and and you're the comparatively flaming commie. Right. Um, <laughs> well, what a world we live in where <laughs> I'm considered like, you know, far like, left. Like, oh, my God. Well, yeah. yeah, you're farther left than I am yeah, for yeah, the purposes yeah. of this podcast. Sure, you're I get leftist. it. You're not, you know, yeah. But but I, I know because we've had kind of versions of this conversation before and, and I know what commentary looks like on the interwebs. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it is a meaningful. I'm not going to take anything away from the interpretation. Mm-hmm. It is, but but it is it is a a common nowadays interpretation of the character and critique of the character mm-hmm. of Batman that he is a rich guy who goes out and beats up poor people. Yeah, I've, I've are, got are, twenty are, minutes are, on this. Yeah, well, yeah, who are <laughs> who are committing crimes because you know the system is is corrupt in a way that prevents them from being able to make a living any other way. Yeah. And and the thing is, what I what I want to point out mm-hmm. is that that is not wrong. And certainly, as we get into when when you start talking about the movies, we can go forever. Oh yeah, about like, wow, how fashy is this? Like, yeah. And I'm and I'm I'm I, I may push back a little, but like not a lot. I actually not... don't dive into it very much until you get to the Nolan Batman. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there uh, are bigger uh, game afoot. 
uh, okay. prior right. to that. Yeah. Okay. Well, and and we're we're in the era of post Nolan Batman, so yes, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Uh, but you know, at the very outset of the character, he was he's being written by a couple of comic book writers in New York in the 30s, and we've already talked about you know. Uh, you know, who were these guys doing this writing? They were anti-Nazi, you know, in 42, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Batman, you know, fights Hitler along with every other, you know, costume superhero in the United States, it seems. Um, Did anybody not realize that, like, this kind of makes Hitler Hitler, uh, stronger than all the superheroes combined? Because one-on-one, he walks out of every fight and keeps Naziing. Like, even though he gets punched, he, yeah. he's Chumbawamba Hitler. Like, I'll get knocked down, <laughs> but I get up again. You're never going to pooch me down. I yeah. get knocked down. Here is a lager drink. Here is <laughs> a whiskey drink. <laughs> whiskey drink. Yeah. Yeah, das ist ein cider drink. <laughs> I get pushed down. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that's actually true. And And interestingly... Um, there's a point that actually brings up about the Joker later on. But, oh yeah. But when I get, I remember that. I get That's to the, when I, when I get to the introduction of the Joker, well, oh no, I'm not even, now I realize what, what you think I'm talking about, but uh-huh. no, I haven't even, okay. like before we started recording folks, I told Damien that like, I've gotten notes like out the wazoo up until like 1943 <laughs> but but for but there's so much there's so much comic book history and so much lore going on that like this week i've been grading and i just i haven't had had enough time to like dedicate to really doing this justice so but no what you're talking about doesn't happen until the 70s or the 80s oh no, yeah i right. think it was a 90s crossover actually yeah, yeah. oh yeah no yeah but yeah. but um you know what I? Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It was nineties. Yeah, the the was the no, it wasn't the amalgam universe. But anyway, no. What, what I'm talking about is um, what what Finger did not want the Joker to survive, mm-hmm. and I'll get into why. Uh, but it's it's for the same reason you're saying like, well, you know, this kind of means that Hitler is stronger than all of them, right? Um. So, but but the the. The impetus that drove the creation of the character was wish fulfillment mm-hmm. of what I wish rich guys looked like. That that Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. and Batman are a wish fulfillment daydream of what we wish rich people were more like. Because, yes, Batman is motivated by a trauma in his past, but in the beginning of the comic, he's not the obsessive that he has since become. He kind of got flanderized over the course of decades. Mm-hmm. And um, so at at the outset, he was, you know, passionate. His driving passion was the fight against criminals not necessarily crime but against people who were victimizing other people sure sure and um small time you know bullets. and well most of them are gang leaders oh okay not, I see not, what you mean. not he's not because he's, he's not he's not 
you know, we don't we don't start seeing him beating up, you know, street muggers as on the regular until the 70s. Okay. So when you said criminals, not crime, you meant like not the systemic problem that creates it. It's he's fighting the organizations that are it. Yes. Okay. He's he is fighting. He's fighting the the masterminds, the ringleaders and the the people who have put themselves above the law through a combination of of amorality or immorality and wealth, basically. And it was essentially it's kind of a what if there was a rich guy who was trying to fight all the bad rich guys? Okay. And that that turns into something problematic pretty rapidly if you're not you know careful with it but i i think i think it is i think it's very easy for us to look at it and to to engage in presentism with with what the character is now sure when when we're talking about the when, when we're talking about a character that now has you know 80 years of, of history behind him, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. So, I think judging things based in the time that they're in is probably the safest bet in some ways. And honestly, the most intellectually yeah. honest uh, approach doesn't mean we can't hold out our judgment of it now and go, okay, but that doesn't fit anymore. Um, oh yeah, but totally. I'm yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to obviate. Like I right. said, I mean the 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 critique and deconstruction, everything that does point up the kind of well, you know, he is a rich guy who beats up the mentally ill. Like, mm-hmm. you know, let's can we talk about this for a minute? Like, you know, yeah. that I I get that a and, worthy discussion to have. You know, but yeah, yeah. Once once we actually realize what mental illness is, yes. Like you know, prior to that. We didn't have the vocab for it. You know, it's, yeah. it's one of those yeah. things of just like you have to accept that we were flawed in a way that we didn't even know we were flawed yet. Um, yep. It was and, the water and, people were swimming in. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to say that that's for the the dominant culture, not necessarily for uh, the everybody on the margins, pushed to the margins. Because, again, I, oh, yeah. I'm going to keep pushing back. He is the right kind of white rich guy fighting against the wrong kinds of white rich guys. There is a yes. layer to that because he's in many ways blurring that, you know, that that violence thing. Yeah, he doesn't kill people, except that doesn't come around till later, too. And I'm sure you'll yeah, deal well, with I'm that. Gonna get into that. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah. So. But like he is he is doing what they do. It's just we cheer him because he's he's a wasp. Yeah. So. So yeah. Oh, by the way, I found out uh, it was Anthony Wayne is the guy that uh, he was named after. Ah, uh, yes, Matt Anthony. Matt Wayne. Anthony Wayne. So I've I've got a yeah. fun guy to look up later. Uh, and oh yeah, no, like I, I briefly yeah I, I yeah he's he's a fun figure, not quite as much fun as Mad Jack Churchill, but pretty close. <laughs> what a bunch of names! Who was the German dude that like showed up on a sleigh with his lover to help train the American troops? Oh shit, von Steuben. Von Steuben. God, what a great. Steuben. Like, it was either Steuben or von Steuben, and yeah. it turns out he he he, <laughs> like like a massive amount of his of his backstory was just complete bullshit. Oh. Um, he was he von it's not Steuben it's Steuben, he was he was a a sergeant he was a non commissioned officer, 
in in whichever whichever part of whichever part of Germany it was he was from. And, uh, he, he, he just, he just lied. He showed up and said, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a nobleman, <laughs> you know, in, in German, of course, oh, which I is being it. translated to, to, you know, uh, Washington and all of them. But as a Sergeant major or whatever, whatever his actual uh-huh. uh, rank had been, he knew enough about the manual of arms and about drill and about training guys that it didn't matter. He right. knew his shit. Right. It was just in order to get, you know, a bunch of Virginian landowners to fucking listen to him. He had to claim to be an aristocrat. <laughs> and love so, it. Oh, I love yeah, it. no, it's, it's amazing. So oh. the, the, the continental army was trained in large part by a con man. Um, <laughs> the continental army. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Go. Oh, that's great. So, so I think we're, we're at a point where we can kind of cut this off and pick it up. Yeah, we've definitely okay, set the stage. I have, I have, I have a shit ton of other stuff to talk about here, mm-hmm. and of course we can unpack all of this like yes. forever. Yes. But uh, what what is with the little bit of Batman that we got into after we finished bitching about work? What what <laughs> what, what is your takeaway so far? Well, I do like that there was. It wasn't just he was always a a, a fascist fanboy dream. Um, dreamboat. Uh, I like that. Uh, he was, um, you know, he, he was somebody who I'm going to say liberal. I think he was, you know, a a liberals dream because most, most artists at that time were, but I also think it's interesting that he was maybe not deliberately, but most certainly pulling on the strings of prejudice, even from the very beginning. And I didn't oh, realize yeah. that until we got to discussing this today, because I keep coming back to he's going after the Irish and the Italians. He's not going after the Jews, probably for for the same reason that like only bad guys go after Jews in the 1930s and 40s. Um, yeah. So he's not going after Jewish gangsters because they're actually on the side of right uh, beating up on Nazis. Um, yeah. But uh, and again, a lot of your I mean, uh, was it Siegel? He was yeah, of, of Jewish extraction. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I, I meant the the writer. Uh, Simon, oh, oh, uh, Siegel, Siegel, yeah, Siegel and Schuster. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you yeah. know, you've, you've got a lot of... Im- it's interesting because a lot of your comic book writers are immigrants or they're, they're first generation born here of immigrant families. Yeah. And yet they're still... I mean, you, you got to eat, so they're playing to certain stereotypes. Um, and Italians well, are a real on, easy one to do because their names yeah. are so readily identifiable in a a bubble of text. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. So I I when I was doing my research because what I'm going to do is when you're done with all the comics, I'm going to go through all the movies. And when I was yeah. doing my research, I'm like, Jesus Christ, he's beating up a lot of Italians. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it really is. Well, okay, okay. So. so so okay, as far as I well, we can get into it when we talk about the movies. Sure, Never sure. Mind. Okay, Never mind. I'll drop it for now. So, but yes. Yeah, so uh, even yeah. though he was doing good things, he was doing it in a petri dish where the aug the very auger that you were seeing him grow from was really fucking racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that works. That works. So, so that's what I got right. from it. Okay. Uh, what are you uh, recommending we read? What am I recommending you read? Um, oh, 
Um, I'm reading a history of the flying tigers right now. Okay. Um, and I believe that's actually the title. I got the book here in front of me. Hold on. Sure. Um, yeah, it is the flying tigers mm-hmm. by, uh, Sam Kleiner. Um, it is a really great read. Um, it's, it's, uh, very, very kinetic mm-hmm. kind of, it, it, it moves along at a pretty good pace. It's a, it's a fascinating story and it starts out, uh, with the life up until he headed to China of Claire Chenault, who was the, the founder of the flying tires. And I have been a fanboy for them the legend of the flying tiger since I was a kid and I'm learning an awful lot about Claire Chenault that Mm. I had not known. Cool. And, um, yeah, he, he's an even more amazing figure, uh, now that I know all of this. So it's a great, it's a great read. I highly recommend it. What about you? Well, since we're doing Batman, I'm going to recommend that you go out, you find the, the, the equivalent of DC unlimited, whatever it is. Um, and you find Batman, a death in the family. Um, oh, fuck me. Yeah. All right. So yeah. that's, you know, that's, that's the one I'm going to, it's only four, four issues long and it's some dark, dark shit. So not cool, dude. Yeah. Not cool. Yeah. That's, that's, that's nineties. Yeah. Yeah, that it was, was 88. Was 88. 88. Yeah. Well, pre-90. Yeah, just just on mm-hmm. the cusp. That yep. was kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're evil. <laughs> you are so. unkind, sir. Well, yeah. All right. So where can people find you on uh, the social medias? If you're looking for me on social media, you can find me on both uh, Twitter and TikTok mm-hmm. as E.H. Blaylock. And uh, you can find me on Instagram as Mr. Blaylock. And Blaylock is spelled B-L-A-Y-L-O-C-K. And you can find the two of us uh, if you want to argue with either one of us about our either moderate liberal or leaning leftist interpretations of this character. First of all, you're wrong. And second of all, you can argue with us about it at... um, Geek History Time on the Twitter machine. And how about where can they find you, sir? Well, you can find me at Da Harmony. Uh, that's two H's in the middle um, on both the Insta and the Twitter. Um, and you can find me every Tuesday night on uh, twitch.tv forward slash capital puns, uh, making all kinds of puns uh, for more than four years now. And uh, we've played uh, pretty much people from all over the world. Uh, and uh, continues to just be a wonderful show. But uh, yeah, if you want to fight with me and argue with me uh, over my interpretation of, of Batman and how incredibly racist it is in the beginning even, <laughs> um, feel free to find me on the Twitter and the Insta. So, all right. All right. Well, for Geek History Time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock, and look for us again. Same geek time, same, same geek channel. <laughs>